0: Hello, Saints. This is Mark Robbie coming to you today from Seattle, Washington. Um, I'd like to share a a brief word with you today on the subject of meeting to know and to do the will of God. I don't know if this title comes as any surprise to you. Uh, we, We do talk about knowing the will of God, and we also talk about Doing the will of God, but I'm not sure that we we've had the realization in the past that in the meetings in the meetings of the church we know the will of God and do the will of God. Well, needless to say, we're in an extraordinary time in history where, uh, for the first time in a hundred years. We haven't been able to have the kind of gatherings that we're used to having. And I'm praying very much, and I'm sure you are too, that this is a, a temporary matter because we really need to meet. And that's what this entire message will be about. We are meeting people. And to meet means we gather together in the same place. Let me read you a verse from the book of 3rd John, verse 14. But I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. And the footnote on this verse tells us that to speak face to face is mouth to mouth. So this kind of virtual meeting is a temporary matter, I hope. Because we really need to gather together as we are used to doing. And God needs us to gather together. Because when we can gather, when we can assemble, we can know the will of God in a particular way. And we can actually do the will of God. So let me now read you another verse. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and hopefully you can read along with me, not abandoning our own assembling together, as the custom with some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day drawing near. What day is this that Paul is talking about? You see the day drawing near. Well, this must be the day of our Lord's second coming. And the whole world is wondering today, is this pandemic? Is this crisis? Is it related to the end of the age? Is it related to the second coming of the Lord? And I would say, yes, it is. Most definitely it is. Now, if you ask me to tell you exactly how it is related to the end of the age, of course, I can't tell you that. Only the Lord knows. But in principle, we know that when God in his sovereignty allows uh, this kind of a big, big change in the world situation, you can be very sure it has something to do with his move in his economy to consummate this age. Okay, have you ever realized, I say again, have you ever realized that our meeting together actually is to do God's will, and that when we meet together, we have the special opportunity to know the will of God. Of course, we can know the will of God in our personal Christian life, but we all have the experience It's much more difficult when we are by ourselves to have a clear understanding of the will of God. But when we come together, when we gather together, in that kind of atmosphere, we can know things and see things that we can't see on our own. We need to realize that besides our inner life with the Lord... Nothing is as crucial, important, and profitable as the church meetings. That's why we, even though we have this great, great limitation at the present time, we still need to meet. We are meeting people. We can't live without meeting. If we have to live, or if we have to meet virtually, we'll do it, uh, but not forever, uh, but Even in this time, this, this extraordinary time, we still need the meetings. And when we say the church meetings, I'd like to just explain a little, a little bit that in the New Testament, the church meetings are primarily three kinds or four kinds of meetings. And what we practice in the churches today, is the scriptural way to meet. It's not the traditional way to meet. It's not the religious way to meet. And it's not our own way to meet. It's the God-ordained way to meet and to serve based on the New Testament. And if you read the New Testament, especially two chapters, I would say concentrate on Acts chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, this is our model of the God-ordained way. This is what we are practicing today, and it's all based on the scriptures, the scriptural way to meet. What are the basic meetings of the church that we're talking about? Well, the first one is the Lord's table meeting. The Lord himself personally instituted the The Lord's table. Can you imagine? Um, He was the one who established that meeting, and it's very interesting. After he established it, he told the disciples, do this until I come. Again, this is an indication that our meeting together is related to the Lord's coming. Our meetings accomplish something for the Lord to come. So our meetings are actually executing his will. They're carrying out his economy, and they're hastening the day of his coming. Well, then, in addition to the Lord's table meeting, which, brothers and sisters, we should do our best to never miss the Lord's table meeting It's a meeting with the Lord. He's the host of that meeting. It's like, if I invite you to my home for dinner, I'll be disappointed if you couldn't come. Well, the Lord is the one who invited us to his table. And the significance of the Lord's table is exceptionally deep. It's not... The subject of this message, but I just tell you, um, get into it. It's a very, very, very special meeting because it's it's the meeting which the Lord instituted. Okay, another meeting that we practice according to the scriptures is we have a prayer meeting, the prayer meeting of the church. And most definitely, this is important, and we'll talk about it as we get a little further along in this message. I'm just giving you the general outline right now. The third kind of meeting that we practice, according to 1 Corinthians 14, is we practice a prophesying meeting. It's very hard outside of the Lord's recovery to find believers who practice a prophesying meeting according to the scriptural way in 1 Corinthians 14. Then the fourth kind of meeting that we practice based on Acts chapter 2 is we have small group meetings, and these are primarily in our homes. And these small group meetings enable us to have more mutuality, but I tell you that the, the basic characteristic of all four of these kind of meetings, the Lord's table meeting, the prayer meeting, the prophesying meeting, and the group meeting, the basic common characteristic is that they are all in mutuality. They are all meetings in which everyone can and should function. And that kind of mutuality actually does something to advance the will of God. I don't know if we've ever thought about it, but what it does is it, that mutuality blends us and that blending is a kind of building up of the church and that building up of the church is God's goal. It is God's will. He wants to build up the body of Christ, and according to Ephesians 4, it's through the functioning of all of the members who have been perfected by the gifts. Through their functioning, this body of Christ is built up. The organic body of Christ is built up on the earth, And Ephesians 4 combines the built-up body of Christ with the fully grown, matured new man who has the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That new man in Ephesians chapter 4, that corporate person, is the bride in Ephesians 5. And that Bride, That corporate person in Ephesians 5 is the warrior in Ephesians 6 who defeats God's enemy. So I tell you, brothers and sisters, our meeting together, our assembling together, our gathering together is directly related to the carrying out of God's eternal will, his eternal purpose and his eternal economy. You know, even the Greek word for church, the word ekklesia, it means an assembly, a gathering together of those who have been called by the Lord. So the, that's what the church is, at least outwardly. It's a gathering. It's an assembly. And when we meet together, we are doing the will of God. We can all testify. How, how was your life? How was your Christian life before you came to the meetings of the church? We, we receive so much grace and so much supply just by being in the meetings of the church. That's on the personal side. But did you know that God receives something when we Gathered together in the meetings of the church related to the Lord's table. The Lord said the Father, the Father is seeking the true worshipers in spirit and in truthfulness. You know, the worship of the Father that takes place at the Lord's table, it, it meets a need and a desire Of God himself. And then regarding prayer, prayer executes God's will. Prayer is the is the echo on earth of Christ's intercession in the heavens that the kingdom of God would come on earth and that the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a direct connection between the prayer meeting of the church and the carrying out of God's will how about the prophesying meeting in the prophesying meeting 1 corinthians 14 tells us he who prophesies builds up the church what an amazing verse we know from matthew 16:18 that the lord's goal in this age he said i will build my church. How does he do that? How does the Lord build his church? Well, he doesn't do it directly. He does it indirectly. He does it through the members of his body. And you can't find another verse besides this verse in First Corinthians 14 that tells us so plainly how it is, that we can function for the building up of the church. Then how about the group meetings? The group meetings are crucial for the carrying out of God's will because in the group meetings what happens is begetting of spiritual children, nourishing those spiritual children, teaching and perfecting those children, and eventually those ones who we have begotten through the gospel are perfected to prophesy, and they become those who build the church. So it's very easy to see the connection between these four basic kinds of church meetings and God's will, God's purpose, and his economy, and I hope we can make this Crucial connection because we need to, to have the vision in order to not forsake the assembling together. Even in these difficult days, we can't miss, we can't forsake our meeting together. And we should earnestly pray that once again, we'll be able to gather and to assemble as we always have in the past. Now the third point I would like to mention is that in the meetings, God makes his will known to us in a way that it's hard to experience in our personal life. And here I would like to read with you some verses from Psalm 73. If you look at Psalm 73 it beginning with verse 16. Well, let me give you a little background. The psalmist, Asaph, was really perplexed because he observed something. He observed that the wicked were prospering and he observed that the righteous were suffering. And this this greatly perplexed him. So he says in verse 16, When I considered this, in order to understand it, it was a troublesome task in my sight until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. The key word here is the word sanctuary. Outside of the sanctuary, He just could not understand what is going on. Why are the wicked or why do the wicked appear to be prospering? Why do the righteous appear to be suffering? But once he got into the sanctuary, he had a completely different view, a completely different understanding. Well, let's talk about what this sanctuary is. And, of course, in the Old Testament type, the sanctuary is the Holy of Holies and in the tabernacle. But in the New Testament reality, that sanctuary is the meetings of the church and it's our spirit. So if we exercise our spirit, we come to the meetings of the church we're in the real holy of holies. We're in the real sanctuary of God. And God has a way to change our view, to change our perspective, to get, and to make known his will to us. You know, brothers and sisters, to do God's will, the prerequisite is we have to know God's will. And this is where the difficulty is. Uh, how do we know God's will? We know God's will when we get into our spirit, and and more than that, when we get into the church meeting as the sanctuary of God. And once the psalmist got into the sanctuary, he had a new realization. He realized, yes, the wicked uh, apparently are profiting temporarily, But their end will not be good, and the end of the righteous will be wonderful. Okay, the fourth point I would like to share is that in the will of God, in the purpose of God, in the economy of God, Christ is the centrality and the universality. That means he's everything in God's will. He's everything in God's economy. And because of this, our meetings together always are centered and focused on Christ. Christ is the center, and we want to exhibit Christ in our gatherings. There's a wonderful hymn in our hymnal, hymn 864. It says, Let us exhibit Christ. That should happen when we meet together. The person of Christ should be so prominent, so manifested, so seen and known by others. That's the goal of our meeting. It's not to exhibit ourselves or our knowledge or our gift, whatever we do in the meeting. Our prayer, our prophecy, our speaking, our praise, all of it should have this one purpose that we are here to exhibit Christ. Well, this is only possible when all of us fulfill our organic function. The degradation in Christianity today is that very, very few People function, just the clergy. The laity does nothing. That is not an exhibition of Christ, that's an exhibition of the clergy. If we are going to be the Lord's recovery, we have to be recovered to the function of every member of the body of Christ. This requires our exercise, saints. Now, number five, Since it is the Father's eternal will and the desire of his heart to build up the church as the body of Christ, we actually do his will by functioning in the meetings according to the scriptural way to meet and to serve. And again, I say the scriptural way is what we have come to call the God-ordained way, Because the way of meeting in Acts chapter 2 and in First Corinthians 14, it, it is completely different than the Old Testament way of meeting or the traditional way of meeting. It's actually a new invention of the Holy Spirit. That's why we call it God's ordained way, which is also the scriptural way. And in this scriptural way, there is no clergy. There's a universal priesthood of all the believers. We don't have one person who's called a priest. Every one of us is a priest. We don't have one person who's called a pastor. A pastor means a shepherd. Every one of us is a shepherd. So, and we don't have one person who is a speaker. Every one of us can prophesy. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 tells us. You can all prophesy. So this is our way of meeting, according to the scriptures. We practice mutuality, and we practice the universal priesthood, and we practice the functioning of every member of, of the body of Christ. Now let me say a word regarding our prophesying. In we especially emphasize in our meetings together the matter of prophesying, and you may wonder why, it's because when Paul talks about the gifts that are given for the building up of the church in um Chapters 12 through 14 of 1st Corinthians, he makes it very clear that the excelling gift, if you want to excel to the building up of the church, the excelling gift is prophesying. And it's the only gift that the Bible says we can all do. The Bible doesn't say we can all speak in tongues. But it does say we can all prophesy. And it says, he who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but he who prophesies builds up the church. So this is why we strongly emphasize the matter of prophesying. And I think you know, but I'll just remind you, when we use this word prophesying, we're not talking about predicting the future. We're talking about speaking for the Lord, speaking forth the Lord, and even to speak the Lord, to minister him, to dispense himself into others. That's how prophesying can build the church, because it ministers, it dispenses the element of Christ into others. This is how God carries out his economy, he doesn't dispense himself from heaven to earth. He dispenses himself through his body, through the members of his body, to others. Think about the preaching of the gospel. That's the first step of this dispensing. All of us had the gospel preached to us through a member of the body of Christ. As far as I know, The Apostle Paul is the only one who had the gospel preached to him directly by the ascended Christ. The rest of us receive this dispensing through men. And now we have that responsibility and we have to exercise. Uh, Corinthians says we have to earnestly desire that we may prophesy and we need to seek that we may excel to the building up of the church. What that tells us is that prophesying is not ordinary speaking. It's a very extraordinary kind of speaking. It's a speaking that ministers Christ into people. It's a speaking that dispenses God into people. For this, we need to seek and we need to earnestly desire, and I would add, We need to be trained and perfected. You you cannot prophesy without perfecting. Now, the last point I would mention is regarding the matter of prayer. The prayer meeting of the church is critical. And the prayer meeting of the church is for the prayer ministry of the church. And the prayer ministry of the church is something great in the sense of carrying out the will of God on the earth. It's not the same as our individual prayer. We can pray and we must pray individually in order to fellowship with the Lord, to abide in the Lord, to mingle with him, to receive his dispensing, and yes, to pray for his interests. But the prayer ministry of the church is something we cannot do individually. We need to do it with others, and the more the better. The prayer ministry of the church is the prayer that takes care of God's need in his move on the earth. And what an extraordinary time we live in right now. We really need to look to the Lord together. Lord, what is it that you would like to accomplish on the earth during this this tumultuous time. Surely you allowed this pandemic in your sovereignty, and surely you would like to accomplish something through this. Lord, what is that? And we pray for that. We pray that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your kingdom will come. I can't Tell you exactly what it is that the Lord wants to accomplish. But in principle, I can tell you that the Lord always uses this kind of calamity for the gospel. You know, in Revelation, the four horses, the, the suffering, the death, the famine, the wars that go on in the world are accompanied by the white horse, which is the gospel. I think right now we have an exceptional opportunity because people are afraid, they're anxious, they're, they're full of anxiety. And this is a very good time for us to contact people for the gospel and to pray, pray for the gospel. And I would say, secondly, pray for the spread of the truth. People today, I heard that the sale of Bibles all over the earth is skyrocketing. People today are looking for answers to what is going on in the world. So surely the Lord would like to use this situation to spread the divine truths of his recovery. And third, I would say he through the gospel and through the spreading of the divine truths, he would like to spread the churches. And fourth, no doubt, he would like to use this situation to wake us all up, to let us know we're nearing the end of the age, and it's time for us to give ourselves in a very, very particular way, And part of that is our prayer together. And I hope you young saints would gather together to pray, not only in the prayer meeting of the church, gather together by twos and threes, gather with your vital companions to pray very much in these days. Well, uh, I think these are the main points I would like to share with you, uh, except One more point concerning the prayer. This cannot be an ordinary prayer because we're not living in an ordinary time. We need a prayer that matches the age, and we need a prayer that matches God's move, not only in this age, but in this particular situation of the present age. So may the Lord lead all of us into this kind of prayer. And, brothers and sisters, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and let's consider one another and exhort one another and even much more as we see the day drawing near. Amen.